When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Well, hey there, Johnny McGonigal. Let me introduce myself. I'm Bob Flounders. We're going to talk about Penn State football for the next half an hour or so like we always do on Tuesdays uh, on the Blue White Breakdown, but just an announcement for Penn State fans regarding our Tuesday uh, Blue White Breakdown. We're gonna move it to Monday afternoons starting next week, Michigan week. The reason why is James Franklin, his Tuesday news conference is now gonna be a Monday news conference. He announced it today, Monday's at noon. So why wait wait a day, right? Johnny and I will be, uh, We'll be participating in the news conference, so it's going to be on. Look for it on Mondays instead of Tuesdays. Johnny, uh, hey, what what better way to start the week than to hear from James Franklin? I think it's it's great news all the way around. We heard from him today, though. Tuesday, it's Maryland week. I'll start with you. What jumped out to you about some of uh, James's comments? Well, Bob, the biggest news is the, is the change in the news conference going to Monday. Uh, I love it. <laughs> it slow news, news conference. The, the news is the change of the news. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, look, personally, I, I love it. Uh, when I was covering Pitt for a few years, that's when they did it was on Monday. And it was great because you don't, you don't talk to players on Monday because it's their off day. Uh, so it kind of makes sense. And from James's end. Uh, I think the Ohio State game maybe uh, precipitated us a little bit. You know, him having to wait until Tuesday to talk about a game that he would have rather not talked about, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just just kind of get it out of the way. Um, but now, uh, you know, getting into what he actually said uh, in his Tuesday press conference, it was interesting. You know, there's a lot of things to cover, a lot of injury updates that you know, we didn't really get a whole lot of clarity on other than, you know, Caden Wallace, who, you know, left the game against Indiana. And Drew Shelton came in uh, to replace him at right tackle. Uh, James said that Caden should be available to play uh, this weekend against Maryland. He did not say the same for Harrison Wallace, uh, the wide receiver who uh, left in the first quarter, I believe it was, against Indiana and reemerged from the locker room without his pads or helmet. He had his right arm in a sling, so that's not necessarily a great sign. Uh, for not only Trey Wallace, uh, who's a player who wants to be on the field, uh, but also just the wide receiver room as a whole, which was a big talking point uh, in this Tuesday press conference, as it's been, Bob, since training camp, uh, this wide receiver room and and really the lack of separation, the big plays, all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, the, the injury updates and then him talking about Maryland, the, you know, his familiarity uh, with the Terps. And I wrote about that a little bit, you know, James got his big break uh, as a as a coach in the industry in his first stint with Maryland and then came back for a second stint, was there a total of eight years. Uh, he's worked with Mike Loxley before at Maryland. And you know, Josh Gaddis is going to be in the booth calling plays for Maryland this year. Uh, you know, former Penn State assistant coach, uh, wide receiver coach who 
you know, recruited Jahan Dotson and KJ Hamler and coached a lot of these guys and helped Penn State win the 2016 national or not national title. Penn State fans wish uh, the Big Ten title. Um, and uh, and yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if there's any you know pregame interaction between those two. Yeah, uh, just circling back to Shelton, um, I, the way that James uh, talked about that, I I almost expect Drew to start. Uh, not, I don't know that it's going to be a big deal. He said Caden will be available, but he did say we're going to need him. Um, I'm not sure what happened uh, to Caden Wallace, but Drew came in and played a sig- significant amount of time uh, against Indiana. I thought he played well down the stretch last year. The more reps he got, the better he got. Um, Johnny, I don't know how you feel. I think, you know, I, it's it's about the present, but it's also about the future. This is a move I'm on board with if it's going to be more Drew Shelton, maybe less Caden Wallace. Um, you know, James has been one of Caden's biggest supporters uh, as an offensive tackle. He actually was a starter dating back to the COVID year 2020. Um, uh, they moved Will Fry's inside the guard to make room for him. He was a, a coveted recruit. I've seen enough of him to know that I don't know. I think he's found his ceiling. I don't know if he's going to get any better. If this Penn State offensive line is going to take a step forward in the final month in the bowl game, I think I think there are worse things than to see what Drew Shelton can do. He's a big part of their future, I believe, as well, along with Javen Williams, who we haven't seen yet, but I think they're high on them. That's one thing that struck, uh, struck me uh, during the Tuesday news conference. Johnny, I just got to – I don't know. I'm reading the tea leaves. I – Really, really, uh, I don't know about this wide receiver room. Uh, James was asked a couple of times about it. A couple people disappeared even without Harrison Wallace against Indiana. Um, James talked about it. He said it's, it's, you know, it's not just, it's just not the practice reps and what you do on the practice field, but, you know, it's also missed assignments. You guys don't actually know what the assignments are for the wideouts on a play, which tells me that they've missed some assignments, a lot of assignments. I think it sounds to me like there's a lack of trust maybe with some of these younger wideouts. It's not a good sign, especially if Trey Wallace is going to miss a lot of time. I just, you know, I just, I really, you, you said we've been talking about it for a long time. This has been an issue re- literally uh, since, you know, since the moment, you know, the Rose Bowl concluded. He talked about it in spring. It hasn't gotten better. Keandre Lambert-Smith has had some good games, but there's been some games where he's been not good. And I just wonder... You know, Maryland's defense, Johnny, is not terrible. Um, I watched the Ohio State game. I know they've lost to Illinois uh, and Northwestern since then. But I would imagine, even though Penn State usually handles them on the road, I think Maryland, if they have a spine at all, they're going to come to play on Saturday. And my question to you, Johnny, is if if they're going to they're going to struggle to run the ball, if you're Maryland and you take uh, if you take Keandre Lambert Smith out of the game, what is Penn State going to do on offense? Yeah, and just to circle back really quick, Bob, we'll get to the receivers. I just want just one closing thought too on Caden and Drew. Um, Drew definitely has a a really bright future at tackle, and Penn State definitely wants to explore that more and and help him get to his ceiling, which very well could be. And I'm sure Penn State hopes it will be higher than Caden Wallace. But I'll say this too: like I think Caden has played well this year. Um, I think he was the highest graded offensive player that Penn State had at Ohio State. Now that was kind of a low bar given what Penn State was able to put forth or not really put forth at Ohio State. Um, but I think Caden's played well. Uh, the, the only hesitation, and I agree with you, um, that Drew will probably start is we've heard James Franklin talk about offensive linemen before uh, and say that, yeah, we expect him to play and everything. That that player being J.B. Nelson before the Ohio State the left guard. 
um, you know, who exited the Northwestern game with an injury. James said before Ohio State that we expect, you know, expect both Van Guyon and JB Nelson to play. And it was just Van Guyon at left guard. So um, expect to see Drew Shelton this week, unless Caden's injury really is just not serious at all. And, and he starts, but we'll see. Um, back to the, the to the wide receivers and a wide receiver room without Trey Wallace. Got Keandre Lambert Smith as your number one. And, you know, we've talked about Keandre Lambert Smith. He had a, a really nice play at the end of the Indiana game uh, to catch that deep ball from Drew Aller. Type wrote, you know, the sideline and, and score a 57 yard touchdown, which won Penn State the game. So he's capable of those plays. Um, but you look at what's behind him and without Trey. You know, Omari Evans, Liam Clifford, and Caden Saunders did not play an offensive snap against Indiana. And I think that's telling because, you know, I, I know that you know, we talked about Liam Clifford and his rapport with Drew. And, and you know, th- there was all this talk earlier in the season when he was getting more reps about how he knows the offense and how his relationship, obviously, with Sean being his brother, like helps in that regard. We saw Omari Evans come on you know, late in spring camp and start the spring game as a third wide receiver. Caden uh, Saunders catching a touchdown at Ohio State, you know, the former blue chip recruit uh, who was determined to come into his second season and flip the script you know, after not contributing at all last year. And to have none of those three even play a snap against Indiana, I think it's kind of telling of, of the trust or lack thereof, really, that James Franklin, Marcus Hagans, Mike Yersich – has in this group um, because it was Malik McLean, heavy Malik McLean, the Florida State transfer, uh, when Trey went out. Uh, Dante Cephas got the start, but I think only had two catches um, for for a handful of yards. And so if if Trey isn't playing, and and judging from his arm being in a sling, you know, uh, maybe not expect it, Maybe see more Theo Johnson, more more involvement of Tyler Warren in the tight ends. Uh, you know, just trying to work them in a little bit more. Uh, two guys who have been targets in the red zone, uh, but aside from the pop play here or there, uh, hasn't you know just hasn't been featured as much in the offense. I don't think as maybe that they should. Uh, and so I think that's the direction that Penn State might go. Yeah, and you know, you know. One of the reasons Penn State was able to be undefeated going into Ohio State is, you know, the Whiteouts, other than Keandre, they weren't necessarily great the first half of the season, but Penn State's been able to play from ahead. And the minute they got behind against Ohio State, they, were, they, they really kind of got away from the running game. And the more they threw it, Johnny, the more it was pretty evident in the press box just what the deficiencies were in the wideout room. And if by chance... Maryland gets up on these guys Saturday. Um, it could be more of the same. They have, Johnny, they have to play with the lead or they have to play. You know, they are built, I think, to to prosper in, in a close game. But eventually they need to get the lead. They need to play. They need to turn that pass rush loose. Um, and the other thing is that I really do think they have the kicking game with the punter and also with Daquan Hardy as, as a punt returner. They have the kicking game now. Um, they don't give up anything on kickoff returns because the kickoff guys have been good. They have they have the components in the kicking game to either neutralize the other team's kicking game or win that battle. So I, I really do believe James Franklin and his assistants play feel really good about two thirds right of 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 the big three offense, defense, and special teams. But 
I don't think it really matters, Johnny. If this team falls behind somebody in the second half, it's going to be trouble. I think that was my takeaway. They never Indiana could never get the lead, but they were close. And if Penn State falls behind and they have no one else to throw to but Keandre, they're going to struggle against everyone left on the schedule. Obviously, they're going to struggle against Michigan, but I'm talking about Maryland and even Rutgers. Yeah, no, I mean I agree, and 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 a part of that too is you know, the, the lack of consistent running game that you want to see or, or had hoped to see or had expected to see after Nick and Katron had such stellar freshman seasons, uh, the stats alone, I mean, you can just flip on the tape and see that, you know, the line isn't getting the push and those guys, when they hit the hole, sometimes they're a little too hesitant. Like the running game just isn't coming together as you would expect, but the stats, you bear that out too. I mean, the, the runs of 20 yards or more are not there. Even the runs of 10 yards or more are not there. They've been having to grind out yards and, and really, you know, James Franklin said last week that he thought the Penn State's offensive identity was getting into third and, and reasonable third and short, converting those um, and it's like, you know, maybe just avoid third down if at all possible, you know, maybe have a 70 yard touchdown, run, like, and, and those just haven't happened. Um, they just really haven't happened. Now, a part of that is the lack of passing game because if defenses don't respect you through the air, what are they going to do? Load up against you on the run, uh, and make life more difficult on the offensive line of the blocking tight ends and Katron and Nick than it already is. Um, but I really think there's a trickle down effect from the lack of talent and separation at wide receiver uh, and a first year quarterback and the, you know, approach and, and everything that, you know, Mike Yersich has you know, sought out really through seven, eight games now is to not turn the ball over and kind of play it a little safe. And I think that's affecting the running game. And so now you go on the road. Uh, against a Maryland defense that is better against the run than I than I expected coming into this season, uh, and and you just come off a performance in which you rush for Nick and Katron rush for about 130 yards against Indiana, which was allowing 175 rushing yards per game going into that. They had allowed 500 yard rushers this season, and and Penn State wasn't able to accomplish that with either of their guys, uh, and so. I don't know. It's it, it's just a weird spot to be. Um, now, if you get a lead, if and if the defense, you know, plays the field position battle and all those things that work out for you on the defensive side of the ball, that makes it easier on offense. I mean, you get some short, you know, short drives and short fields to work with. Um, but without Trey Wallace, uh, and, you know, and even he, like, you know, it's not like he was an 800 yard guy or anything. You know, like it's. It's it's just really kind of difficult times for this offense right now. They were booed a few times at Beaver Stadium against Indiana, and I don't necessarily blame the fans either. You know, after after some three and outs against a defense that had been really bad against everyone else, they had pretty much played against. Yeah, Johnny. Um, let's. What I wanted to do with you is since they're two thirds of the way through the regular season, there's still a third to go. Um, they did make some improvements. The final month of last season, it did happen. Um, I know I know the schedule dictated that. They had already cleared Michigan and Ohio State. But I did feel like there was improvement there, significant improvement. What I wanted to ask you is, um, between the two of us, I, I've been thinking about this uh, since the Indiana game. Uh, I wanted to talk about maybe a list of four or five Lions that not only can, but need to step forward and raise their level of play 
um, in the month of November for Penn State to have a, a legit a legit shot uh, at 11 wins. And I, I don't say that lightly. I know it's a tall task, but this is a talented team. I certainly think they can get to 10. It would be surprising if they didn't. But I, I have about four or five guys I wanted to talk to you about, and you might agree with me. And I think some of these guys, they've had solid seasons, but I expected more. So I don't know how you feel about that, but there, there's a couple guys on my list that I think need need to – if there's a fourth or fifth gear that they got, it's it's time. And, and I, think, I think there still is time. I think there's a couple players on offense, and I think there's a couple players on defense that, that really need to pick it up because I think if they do play better – this this team can this can, this team can take a step forward in, in the month of November. Yeah, but rat, rattle them off, Bob. I didn't know about this whole list thing, so I didn't prepare a list. No, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm ready. I, to think, I think that I think the reason I, I the, the reason uh, this isn't a surprise, but I do know I kind of feel like I mean if I if I told you like an hour ago, I, I would I would imagine our list would look very comparable. And I think that's why I think it's easy to. It's, it's, I'm not springing. I'm not trying to be Captain Obvious, but there's a couple players that I think that they've been good and they've flashed this year, right? But it has not been what I expected. And I would imagine you're probably gonna you're gonna agree on some of these. Now, for me, for me, the guy I want to start with, and I don't think he's had a bad year, um, but I do think after how I watched him play in in uh, in 2022, I thought he would have maybe more of an impact in games. He actually played, I thought, very well the final four games of his true freshman season in 2021 where he was active. It's Kalen King for me. I I just I don't I'm not saying he's played bad, right? And I know that he's there are there are games where quarterbacks are not necessarily looking his way. The last 2 weeks, I think he's gotten some action and I don't know, there were a couple plays where I was like, "Man, I'm surprised he gave that up." I feel like Kalen King, I think he had 16 pass breakups and two interceptions last year. I know they had Joey Porter. But, um, you know, I feel like when we talk about Penn State starting uh, corners, and if you include the nickel corner, I've been more impressed. I've been more impressed with Johnny Dixon and even Daquan Hardy this year. And I wanted to get your feelings of where you think Kalen is right now. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you that I've been more impressed with the two guys you mentioned, Daquan. Uh, and Johnny, you know, from Johnny Dixon's standpoint, you know, making plays as a corner blitzer. Uh, James Franklin mentioned that as, you know, I think it was post game uh, that he feels like maybe Johnny Dixon isn't getting the the love or the attention that maybe he deserves. And I think that's fair uh, because everyone uh, wants to talk about Kalen King. And I get that, though, too, because Kalen was a preseason All-American. You know, he ranked second in the country last year in pass breakups, you know, just just you know, chewing quarterbacks up and spitting them out, you know, when they were targeting him and not Joey Porter Jr. Uh, last season. And so Kalen comes in with that pedigree and that reputation. And a part of it earlier in the season was that he was not getting thrown at. Uh, he really wasn't. And, you know, then Marvin Harrison, you know, gets a few on him, which again, we talked about this. Marvin Harrison Jr. is arguably the best player in college football. And, He's he's going to get NFL corners for the next decade uh, so that I don't necessarily put that on Kalen. But I'll say this, like he hasn't he hasn't necessarily flashed. Like he doesn't have an inter- you know, interception like he doesn't you know, he, he, he hasn't been making like wow plays um, when he is targeted and when he is getting those opportunities, whereas Johnny Dixon has. 
you know, Daquan Hardy had, I think, three pass breakups at Ohio State and played really well. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think the corner room is strong right now. But Kalen, by all accounts, you know, and, and even looking at what some NFL draft experts and those people have said, like you know, there's a possibility that he he's maybe not a guaranteed first round pick right now. And uh, down the stretch here, he can he can reestablish himself as one of those guys. He's still a really good player. Like I'm, I'm not I'm not, you know, dumping on him by any means. He's a very good player. Uh, but yeah, if I could, I could use a, a few splash plays from him. Yeah, and I and I do, and I'm not. I'm saying I think it's possible, and I think it needs to happen, right? If it does happen, how does that change Penn State? How does it change this defense, which is already in my mind? I know that I know they didn't have their best day uh, against any. In my mind, you know, you know, if if you're gonna if you're gonna draw up a list of the, t- the top five defenses in the country, I think Penn State legitimate. I know they I know they played UMass. I know they played I know they played Delaware. In my mind, I think they are legitimately in the conversation uh, to be a top five defense. And I think if 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 Kalen, you know, can be a little bit more active, um, kind of impose uh, his skill set, uh, especially against Maryland. Against a quarterback that likes to throw the ball a lot, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't take much. But I'm, I'm saying I think there is room for him to take another step. And I want to, I want to go to another guy, right? I know he's young, uh, Abdul Carter. Okay, the linebacker who has been. I, I just, I just took a quick look at his stats. Um, there's been a, there's, he's made some splash plays this year. He is an incredible athlete, and he's just missed on a couple of uh, other big plays. Um, he had a big interception. At Illinois this year, his his he had a play I think in coverage at Ohio State where it looked like uh, it looked like McCord had somebody open inside the ten and he made a leaping play to deflect the ball away. I don't think there's a lot of linebackers that can do that, and he's only a second year player. Um, but again, Johnny, it's it's he's a victim of of his of his own talent at this point. He was so good last year, legit getting freshman All American consideration. One of the best players on a Penn State defense that had a lot of them, and I, I'm just wondering where you are with him. I think he's been good this year, but I think he's got great in him. And to do that, though, he's, there's got to have to be some more splash plays, maybe some more disruption. And I think he's capable of that. And I think Penn State needs it. Yeah, but I mean, you said he's been good this year. I think at times he has not been good this year. Like I, I think there, there. I mean, frankly, like and and he's a sophomore, so he's still young. And he's still learning the position and he's an uber talented player. And this is a guy who, I mean, I I went to LaSalle high school last year when he started to pop at the Auburn game, you know, to talk to his high school coach and his former teammates. And, you know, he would, you know, what they said about him, that they weren't surprised that he was making this splash as a true freshman. Uh, And then everyone else in the country saw it. I mean, he made 10 tackles for loss last year. He was all over the ball, sideline to sideline in the backfield, just wreaking havoc on quarterbacks. And I, I just don't think we've seen that from him this season so far. Like, you know, maybe sometimes he's thinking too much. Maybe he's getting lost with more responsibilities now. I don't know what it is because, you know, I know that the the, the tenor of the conversation around Abdul coming into the season was last year he was just kind of playing free and being a freshman and saying, line up and go get the ball basically and go attack. Um and that he has more responsibility and he's you know learning the playbook and more and, and learning the ins and outs of the defense more this year. Um, perhaps that's slowing him down a bit. Um, I, I don't know um, because he, he hasn't been the same kind of impact player. You've seen it in flashes here and there. 
Um, but there, there are games, you know, this year, Bob, that we, you know, we sit next to each other in the press box and it's the third or fourth quarter. And it's like, where's Abdul Carter? You know, where, 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 where are those impact plays that he made last year? So yeah, he's definitely a player who down the stretch, like I wouldn't be surprised if he goes and has three tackles for loss at Maryland and then goes and, and has a huge game against Michigan and does the same against Rutgers and Michigan State and finishes the year with 10 tackles for loss. Like that wouldn't surprise me at all because he's that kind of player. Um, we just haven't seen it, you know, consistently enough this season. This is the Blue White Breakdown. I'm going to mention one more player on defense. And this one was a hard one for me because um, I I think that, you know, he has been a player that ha- you can see the athleticism and you can see if you want to look at his stats, he's had he's had a few spa- uh, uh, splash plays. He almost he almost made the play against Ohio State. It got wiped out because Kalen King got called for holding on Marvin Harrison. That was a touchdown. I don't know that Penn State's definitely going to win that game, but it certainly changed the tenure, tenor, and it does a lot for Penn State's confidence. I wanted to get your thoughts on Curtis Jacobs. The reason I'm only the only reason I'm mentioning him, he's leading the team in tackles, 3.5 tackles for loss. He's got a sack. He's got four quarterback hurries, a couple of fumble recoveries. I just think I, th- I think that I don't know if there is a better athlete on on the uh, on the Penn State team and if there is it's not there's not very many of them I he he's just a freakish athlete he can run he can hit he can rush the passer he can blitz he can be a factor in coverage I, I remember before the season I think a lot of NFL teams very on, very high on him as a three down linebacker Johnny in the NFL when you look at his game though I think he's missed some tackles um and I and I just think I have a feeling this is a Maryland guy that I think he is going to have a huge impact against Maryland, and I think Penn State needs him to. There's there's literally nothing on the field that Curtis Jacobs can't do. He was a wideout in high school. I just have very high expectations for him. I guess is what I'm saying, and I don't know where you're on you are on him. And I'm not. He's obviously been active, but I think there's been more plays there that he could have made. Yeah, I, I agree. And you mentioned his talent and everything that he can do on the field. You know, we've seen that, you know, co- the coaches have seen that, his teammates have seen that, and NFL types have seen that. I go back to July, uh, Matt Miller for ESPN, one of their um, NFL draft analysts and experts, uh, did a story, you know, talking to scouts and talk, you know, from, from the NFL and saying, you know, who are kind of the under the radar players that no one's really talking about, you know, before the season. And Curtis showed up in, in, in that in that story, and one of the uh, one of the scouts, um, or, or I think it was an AFC gen, you know, general manager, uh, said that Jacobs might be a top five player in the class in the draft when it's all said and done. And um, you know, he will make an NFL team happy one day. Like he will be in the NFL uh, and, and make that level because he, he's too talented not to. Uh, but like you said, there have been plays out there that he just hasn't made. Um, and, and again, maybe that's his role within the structure of the defense. Um, maybe that's him again, you know, kind of the same deal with Abdul, uh, just not playing fast and free enough. Uh, you know, we talk so much about Manny Diaz and what he, what he does defensively, you know, from a creative standpoint and, and putting these guys in position to succeed. And I think the defensive line has done a really good job and perhaps it's just, him not blitzing the linebackers enough uh, for them to get those stats and get those kind of laurels and flowers and everything. But 
Um, I do think Curtis is a great player. Um, and I w- again, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up, you know, with with three tackles for loss or a couple sacks uh, at Maryland. Remember, this is this is a team that Penn State beat last year, thirty to nothing, because they had you know they had seven sacks on Talia Tagovailoa, and this Maryland offensive line just gave up six sacks uh, to Northwestern to Northwestern last week. So th- this is a game that kind of tees it up for these guys we've that, that we talked about, Abdul, Curtis, and maybe Kalen gets a pick or two. Yeah, uh, I do want to one just one bit of news. Uh, there was no update on Chop Robinson. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned the seven sacks last year. He had two of them. You know he's dying to play against Maryland. Uh, he left the Ohio State game. Um, look, you know I don't want. We're not we're not doctors. It, it looked like he was very groggy getting up. They immediately put a towel over his head. Uh, he did not play against Indiana. I'm sure he would love to play Saturday uh, in College Park. But I mean that's a guy that I, I think if he's if he would be on the field. That would really, I think, cause problems. I think for for Maryland's offensive line, but China, we just don't know what whether we'll see him or not. And I think Penn State's probably going to err um, on the side of caution. I just want to get to two more players with you. If you have any chop, if you heard anything about chop, please jump in. They're both on the offensive side. I was going to save it, but I think we got to talk about Nicholas Singleton um, one way or the other. Uh, if you would have told me at the start of the year, Johnny, that he would have 113 rushing attempts, I think that's what it is. Uh, through eight games and his long gain would be 20 yards and there would just be one of them, one 20-yard run. I would say you're out of your skull, and I think I probably would have remortgaged my house and said, I- I'll bet you any amount of money. Uh, I know they've struggled to create holes in the offensive line, but I just I cannot wrap my head around the fact that he's averaging 4.1 yards per carry, 113 attempts. He's on track for maybe 800 yards this season. Do you think we could see a different Singleton in the last four games of the regular season. You know, it's one of those where we we've we talked earlier in the season in September. I remember before the Illinois game, uh, and and Jerzon Newton's a great player, so you know he had a hand in, in making sure that didn't happen. Uh, that being the Nick Singleton breakout game, because we saw against Ohio early last season, we saw. Against Auburn, by the end of the year, Nick had seven runs of 40 yards or more. He has one run of 20 yards this, this season. And so earlier in the year, we were talking about, all right, when is that going to come? Like, when is it going to pop for him? And if it didn't happen against Indiana, like, I don't know when it will. I mean, it might happen against Maryland. You know, like they're a better rush defense than Indiana, but they're not infallible. Rutgers is actually a good rush defense this year, but they're not infallible. Maybe he has a big moment and just gets a crease against Michigan and takes it. But, you know, we just haven't seen it this year. And so I don't know when it will happen. I, I, I don't. And, you know, I mentioned it earlier, you know, about the, the lack of the pass game affecting the run game and defenses just, just loading up the box and, and daring Penn State to throw deep on them. That that has an effect. Um, but I do think, and we've talked about this in the press box a few times, where – there have been an op- there. There's been a few opportunities for Nick, um, you know, to break one, and and it just seems like his. I don't know if it's timidness or just you know him not seeing it, or you know even when he just tries to cut, like it, it, he doesn't seem to have the same burst that he did last year. And maybe that's just oversimplifying it, and maybe that's us. You know, we're not we're not Jay Wan Sider and and seeing you know, practice every day. Um, so we that might be off base, but 
I, I just, I don't know. Like we haven't seen it from him so far and he could definitely do with, you know, a couple hundred yard games cause he hasn't had one yet this season. Yeah. I just, I would just say this and it's, it's a general statement, Johnny. I think Nick Nicholas Singleton is at his best when he's running North South. The minute, the minute he starts going East West, I mean, he's a big dude. He is a muscular, powerful dude. I don't know. Once the deceleration happens, it's hard to accelerate again. I, I don't know. I'm not a physicist or a physicist, whatever it is. I'm not a physician either. But I just think that when he's north-south and he gets, he, gets, he gets access to space, it's going to be tough to catch him. And I, I, I don't know. I could maybe count on my, on my one hand how many times that's even been a possibility this year through eight games. So we, we will see, but I, I just think it's worth talking about him. One more guy real quick before we conclude the blue-white breakdown. Just an uber talent that has been erratic. It's Theo Johnson. He had a nice touchdown catch um, against Indiana. Uh, it was a deep shot, too. Uh, I thought that was encouraging, but my expectation for him this year after the way he finished last year was he was going to be an impact player not only as a receiver, especially in the red zone, but he was going to help them as a blocker in the run game, much the way Brenton Strange did last year. And that got him that got him drafted in the second round. I thought that was a lot of people raised, you know, were smirking and said, what? Why was that guy a second round pick? Well, I, I think he did a lot of dirty work for that offense last year. And I think it's showing up in the run game and as as a as a pass catcher. And I think he's helping Jacksonville this year. Your thoughts on Theo Johnson? Yeah, I was expecting a lot more just maybe not. Like, I hate to put it all on him because I think a lot of it too is Mike Yersich and the play calling and having a first year quarterback and, and all these different things that go into it. So, and, and the same deal with Nick Singleton too. Like it's not just all on these players, but in terms of Theo's role within the offense, I did expect more. Uh, I mean, I, in my preseason predictions, I think I, I predicted that he would break Mike Gesicki's single season Penn state record you know, for yardage by a tight end. And that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, and that was based off of what Theo did down the stretch last season. He had, I believe it was at least one catch of 25 yards and six of Penn State's final seven games. Uh, we saw the impact that he had in the Rose Bowl. Uh, and when I was talking to him in the tunnel of the Rose Bowl after the game uh, and asking him, hey, do you think you're going to come back and all that? You know, he, he said he hadn't made, fully made his decision yet, but he, he said he feels like he has more left in the tank and more to give Penn State. And I, I still believe that. I still think he – and I think he believes that. I think he has more to give this offense. Um, it's just a matter of getting him involved. And so if Harrison Wallace is out for an extended period of time and the trust you know, isn't really there in, in a wide receiver not named Keandre Lambert-Smith, I could see where you know, Theo Johnson would really factor in and become more more than just a red zone threat, and become more of a guy who you rely on to stretch the field um, and, and run up the seam and, and make a big play happen because he's he's absolutely capable of it. We saw you know the thirty four yarder at Ohio State, and, and he's capable of that kind of play every single game. I think it's just a matter of if he gets his opportunity to do it. Yeah, and I I do think Drew's missed him a couple of times too on some plays that would have went for big gates. The guy's two hundred sixty pounds, and when he gets open in space. He, he is a matchup nightmare. He is a guy that I think can definitely uh, take another step forward. And the good, I wanted to talk about this now because there is still time. In my, there's a still some very meaningful games coming up for Penn State. The season is not over by any means. And they can, they can change the narrative of the season, of their season, 
everything can change in the in the month of November. It did, I thought, last year for this Penn State team, but it, it's time to get it in gear. This will be a the at Maryland on the road would be a great uh, building block, I think, uh, for this team for some of those players because they got Michigan coming in. I don't think Rutgers is going to be easy. Um, there is there is there is still time for this Penn State team and those players, um, and they ha- they are. Uh, we talked about them, all five of them. They're gifted players, right? They're all probably they're all going to play in the NFL. The question is, are we are we going to see them all take another step? I think in the final month, Johnny. And if they do, this team could really be a handful for everyone left on the schedule. Absolutely. I mean, for, you know, we they got Maryland this weekend. They're going to need big performances from those players from everyone. Uh, you know, Maryland is a team that they're they're five and three right now. You know, three consecutive losses to Ohio State, Illinois. And Northwestern, which that one was that one was crazy to follow in the press box, Bob. I mean, Maryland was a 14 point or at least a two touchdown favorite uh, against Northwestern. It feels like everyone is at least a two touchdown favorite against Northwestern. Um, so that was a that was a shocking result. But, you know, Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, Kalen King, uh, they have an opportunity this weekend against Talia Tagovailoa, a quarterback who averages 37 attempts per game. That's the second most of any power five quarterback this season, he's going to be dropping back and he's going to be throwing. And if you're Kalen, you're going to get your opportunities. And if you're Penn state and you get a lead, Abdul and Curtis are going to have opportunities to chase him down and, and make big plays. And Nick Singleton is going to have his chances. Theo will have his chances. This, this team has its chances coming up against Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers, and Michigan state. We'll see what they do with them. All right, that's it for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown. Just remember, guys, next week, the rest of the season, James Franklin's news conferences will be on Monday. So Johnny and I will be talking about that on Monday and get the podcast up to you guys as quickly as possible. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Live.